Hello and welcome to the Cyphers Theatre Podcast. This is a podcast for university students and recent graduates who are interested in pursuing a career in theatre. My name is Marcus Baisley, co-founder and co-artistic director of Cyphers. And I'm Will Hollyhead, one of the other co-artistic directors of Cyphers. And this week we were lucky enough to have a chat to Hannah Elsie. Hannah is a theatre producer. She studied English at King's College London before deciding not to finish her degree and instead to put all of her energy into trying to pursue a career as a theatre producer, which she has done, now has her own production company. And we had a great chat with her. We covered all sorts of things, um, including discovering, producing as an option as a career in the first place the process that she went through of deciding to leave university um, and then the process that she went through of becoming a producer making her own work setting up her own company all of the above so I hope that you enjoy it Hannah thanks so much for joining us hi Marcus hi Will hi it's really great to have you here and to talk about producing. We haven't talked yes. about producing yet. How how are you? How are things? What have you been up to? I'm I'm really well, thank you. Yes, I am managing to still make theatre during lockdown. I'm doing a production called Bard in the Yard at the moment, which is theatre coming into people's gardens and into pubs and into local spaces. That's happening in London and in the Midlands, so somehow managing to make live work happen despite all of the government restrictions <laughs> amazing well well done you because yeah it's it's been a tough old time um yeah that's great um so should we let's let's do some white as we as we do every week we'll wind the clock back a little bit and let's have a little think about our past so i think it's often useful to look just before going to university and, and think well, were you interested in going into theatre in some form before you applied to university was that sort of on the cards yes that was um absolutely on the cards so winding back the clock to the uh, mid 90s <laughs> I did when I was four I joined youth theatre uh, and was doing youth theatre from the age of four to the age of 18, I went to a wonderful uh, youth theatre in the West Midlands called Playbox Theatre, which if you are in the West Midlands and are under 25, I highly recommend you check out because it's a fantastic standard of highly professional theatre training for people who are um, under 25, and that's from age four upwards. And so I, I went there. Uh, it, it's, and it's quite a serious institution. This isn't like doing the school musical. This is like, you know, you're devising plays about difficult subjects. We did a production of um, The Wall by Pink Floyd. So we worked with a Pink Floyd tribute band wow. and made, you know, so <laughs> age 14, making a show about drugs and prostitutes. And it was just it was just how it was. And I also did the Shakespeare Company there where I played, uh, we toured, we did touring around the West Midlands. So I played in various Shakespeare productions as a performer. I mean, we did Taming of the Shroom, Midsummer Night's Dream, Comedy of Errors, all all sorts of good stuff. So I left there when I was 18. uh, And then around about that time, when I was about 17, 18, I also did National Youth Theatre as a performer. And that was... Uh, that was when I was still at school, actually. I did National Youth Theatre. 
Um, and I was put in the adult group, even though I didn't know why. I was not an adult. I was like, somebody phone Childline. This is, <laughs> is this even allowed? But it, it happened. So I did the two weeks at, that you do at Rose Bruford. And of course, Akshay, very, Akshay, who, if you haven't listened to the rest of the podcast, and you should, Akshay was on an earlier episode talking about his experience with the National Youth Theatre and kindly name dropped me, who recommended the National Youth Theatre to him. Because, of course, I had already been several years before I went to university. So I, w- I went to the National Youth Theatre and had a great time. And then I actually, theatre, I, theatre was very much on my mind. I knew, I always knew I wanted to go into theatre ever since I started at this youth theatre when I was four which is nuts when you think about it, that somebody's wanted to do it for that longer period of time in their life. Um, And actually, I wasn't very sure if I even wanted to go to university. I either wanted to go to drama school or wanted to just leave and start doing stuff. Mm. Um, However, the the environment I grew up in, um, kind of a pretty traditional middle-class upbringing the, the the expectation was there from from the school I went to and also the people around me including my family that I would go to university and study something and I I, I, I kind of half wanted that for myself as well because I thought it would be an interesting experience so I uh, dutifully applied to university uh, and although I remember I applied to I applied to a whole load of ones, but I never really wanted to go to one unless it was in London. Because the reason I wanted to go was because I knew that if I went in London, there would be stuff, that, jobs that I could do. It was like, this is, a, this is like a kind of free ticket to London, really. So I, I got into, I studied English literature at King's, which is where I met the two wonderful Will and the wonderful Marcus. And... Uh, I applied also to Exeter and Nottingham for English and got in, but I wasn't really, I like, if I hadn't have gotten to London, I would have taken a time out and Mm. found something else to do. So I got into King's and then started studying English, but winding back years, to go back to your question, Marcus, winding back years before that, I always knew that I wanted to be in theatre and I saw university more as a, if I'm honest, like, you know, more of a a ticket to London and the theatre in London and all the professional development opportunities that were in London. Uh, and then I, I mean, yeah, whilst, yeah. So I did all sorts, I did all sorts of things whilst I was at uni, which is why I didn't do very well in my degree because <laughs> I spent most of my time going to free workshops from theatres and I did another course with the National Youth Theatre and did all sorts of, semi-professional work whilst also doing the student stuff was was this all mainly thinking of yourself as a performer as an actor initially uh in, initially I thought of myself as a performer although I was at, at the time around that time when I was 70 kind of 16 17 18 I was starting to question if I wanted to be a performer um I was I was I was a very good performer, uh, but I felt like I, I I didn't necessarily like the idea of the actor's life, um, and I was quite 
I was quite taken with the idea of making something myself mm. rather than being always being part of somebody else's project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so yes, initially, but then of course at Kings and also with so so I did various things in London. Uh, whilst I was also at university, such as I did this amazing thing called the National Theatre Young Studio, which was a free professional development course with the national in the National Theatre Studio for people who wanted to be theatre makers and theatre creators. And I had never even heard of the word theatre maker <laughs> before uh, before I started this course. And I thought, oh, well, there's, you know, very conservatively, I thought, oh, well, there's actors and then there's directors and then there's producers. And so I, so I did this theatre makers course and was like, aha, this is interesting. There is a certain, uh, there's a certain, uh, there's a type of person who, who, who makes holistically, will, will make entertainment mm. holistically. And that, that really, um, took, it was run by a wonderful theatre maker called Rob Watt, who uh, has now left the National and is uh, running his own company and is a director and is fantastic. But that, that was kind of what got me interested in starting to have more agency over what, was, what creativity I was engaging with. It's it's really interesting to use the word agency because I think that's something that obviously yeah has taken the kind of directing route that both me and mm-hmm. Will have done. I think that's something we talk about quite a lot, isn't it? Well, it's kind of the point at which you go. Actually, I want a bit more control over my journey. Yeah, and and like you say, the the thing about acting with which is a blessing and a curse, depending on how you're made and your your viewpoint is, you don't have the control, and that brings in some ways less responsibility. Um, but obviously, yeah, less less control. Did that then um, drip into what you were doing, especially extracurricularly at King's? Because my memory of you is kind of on a curve of kind of probably seeing you in some things and then being with you um, in some plays with you and then you would then kind of more directing or designing stuff and then eventually mm-hmm. just before you left you were kind of essentially producing the tour we did down to Bristol of Measure for Measure. Yeah, it it was it was very much exploring and the it's interesting because I I count the the Measure for Measure in Cabaret as it was called which uh was a musical version of Measure for Measure that uh, Will and Will and I were in, and I also designed and also produced for the Shakespeare Company. That that I really count as the first show I produced, and the the impetus for that because the summer before that I had done a summer of work for the Bristol Shakespeare Festival as a kind of assistant stage manager, lighting general, assistant director general person and I saw the beer keller and I thought what a venue wouldn't it be interesting to do something in this venue which was the kind of first producery thought I really ever had because I'd gone ah I want to make something that's going to fit this venue and that was when the idea to to turn measure for measure into a musical came about so um, yeah, it was really, it was really, ex- really exploring, um, 
lots of different things. And actually, at the time, I found it, I found that quite distressing. Um, and if people are listening to this at univer- uh, who are at university or who are just graduated and they're, they're, they are in a place where they want to explore or are exploring, uh, and they're fe- you know, I felt distressed by it because my life philosophy up, up until that point had been to be really good at like one or two things. And the the way to be successful in life was to be good at be good at like one thing and then just specialize mm. and so when i you know i was thinking okay as a teenager i was thinking okay i'm going to be an actor and i'm going to be a really good actor but then when i started to when i started to find these other things i i, I found it really it really tore me up because i was there thinking oh my god you know hannah you know myself talk was going Hannah you can't focus you can't focus on one thing and and actually looking back that oh that that's very harsh thing to be saying to yourself at that young age when you're it's completely natural to be exploring what on earth you want to be doing with your life um and so if anybody else is in that position listening to this podcast I'd say please explore and please don't worry um about about taking some time to kind of find out what you want to do and seeing if it lands. I mean, I am still exploring now what type of work I want to make and what, uh, you know, how, how else, you know, how else my skills can be useful in the world. And uh, I'm kind of now, thankfully I'm more at ease now with the fact that that is just the journey of life. But my God, at the time (laughs) (laughs) I'd lie awake at night worrying, why don't you want to be an actor? And, all of those things so I think we could all relate to that I think it, yeah. it, I mean it doesn't it doesn't really stop does it I mean you come yeah like you say you get you kind of find your peace with it but really you you're constantly going well maybe I should write that maybe I should produce that maybe I should direct that you know whatever it is mm-hmm. I think you've got to keep open-minded and we're very bad I think particularly in the British theatre culture at putting putting ourselves in boxes and giving ourselves mm-hmm. titles, you know, well, I'm a, I'm a director, therefore I'm not allowed to write or I'm not allowed to act. Um, why not? Especially, especially now, like, give it a go. When you're at that age, just keep keep playing. Yeah, definitely. So then, so it seems like what's quite interesting is you were at university, but you most of what you talked about is stuff you were doing around university. <laughs> it's kind of, you were there, like you say, you were in London, and that was the kind of priority, yeah. was I'm in London and now I'm just going to take in all these different things. Um, so, and obviously you then made the decision to, to not finish your degree. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Are you happy to talk a little bit about why? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So there was, so there was two reasons. One of them was a, one of them was a, a decision of empowerment. And the other one was, you know, quite, uh, you know, a, a difficult experience, which I had, which I'm happy to share. So, so the, the the first the first kind of empowering one was i you know i i never really really enjoyed my time um on on the course because because of all this all of the reasons i've mentioned of i knew i wanted to do theater and me being this kind of really angry impatient 19 year old just was like what am I doing? Wasting my youth doing something I don't want to do. <laughs> and there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of angst there. So it, I kind of took the decision to go, well, you know what? 
this is not this course is not really working for me anyway so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stop and by by that point I had already started producing my first show outside of university which is a musical that I produced for um, a few years called the Quentin Denton show which I made with um, a friend of mine from university and we, we, we started making this show, which was with actually a bunch of people from that National Theatre Studio course that I was telling you about. And I, I sort of had, I felt by that point, which was late 2014, that I had, all of the things I'd done in London, the shows I'd been in and outside of university, I kind of felt like I had got my education, which was the educate. it was a bit of a hodgepodge of, different things but I kind of felt by that point I've got the education that I want to have and therefore the 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 certificate is actually not what I came here for in the first mm. place so I I don't I, I don't need that certificate and I feel comfortable that I can go out into the world with what I have this the second reason which was uh I was actually really very very behind on because uh, I had some quite severe mental health problems, which had been going on for years. So I, I sadly had an eating disorder, which I'm now thankfully rid of. But in the years before university, this was something that had been a part of my life as a teenager forever. But when I started at university, it got really, really bad. And I lost a lot of weight and I wasn't in a good space, like physically or mentally. And then thankfully i recovered in the first in the first year of university but then actually what people don't you know what doesn't get talked about is that okay well you might be back at a normal weight um so i had anorexia which is of course an eating disorder where you don't eat enough mm. so you need to regain weight in order to get better um once you've regained weight then there's a period of time where you're just kind of like all over the place in your head if, if i'm honest you're like you know panicking and you're you know, feelings of self-hatred and, you know, all of these things are like part of the process of getting better. But that meant that I was just so behind on my work because I'd prioritised what had made me feel good at the time, which was all this theatre stuff I was doing. Um, yeah. And I was like, this is this is what makes me feel good. I'm going to do the student theatre. I'm going to do the um, National Theatre Studio stuff. So I, th I was going to have to like retake a whole year if I wanted to actually finish and actually graduate uh I was more like I think it was more like a year and a half like I actually found so back in lockdown at my parents house I actually found my old module certificates from King's and it's very hodgepodge you know some of the stuff where I actually tried it's like okay yeah you know I could I could do well but then there's some modules where I got like 10 because I, I, I showed up I showed up to the exam and like hadn't even revised for that module at all because it just hadn't been in my conscious mm. consciousness and so I, I thought that do I you know actually once you when you when you experience something like that that is is traumatic there's this kind of thing if you know what I actually just want to get on with my life I just want to put that behind me and just move forward and I felt that by staying in the staying in the institution it wasn't going to help me move forward from that that mental health uh you know that thing that had been a had been a mental health problem in my life so 
Um, that was another re- that was that was also it was kind of 50 50 mm. with the, those two things together um, and that's an, an, another reason talking about acting another reason I stopped performing was because I didn't want to go into a career where my appearance was so critical to my success because I thought it would be it would it would trigger me and it would make me ill again so that's there was, you know, and 50-50 again on wanting agency and also the fear of um, the fear of the eating disorder being triggered again. So partly positive, partly, well, it's not really negative because I'm fine. I, you know, I'm completely fine now. But um, com- coming from coming from a place of negativity, you could say. So, uh, yeah, that's that's why I left. So I then uh, got a job with Deliveroo, which is a really good. <laughs> <laughs> Good, I, I did not uh, know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got a cycle. I was a cycle driver for Deliveroo and uh, on my bike, uh, which was, uh, you know, I got tipped a lot because most delivery drivers are male. And so when this kind of like young woman turned up delivering people's food, everyone was like, oh, how wonderful. You know, here's, <laughs> here's a fiver. And I was like, great. But uh, I did that and then just just started producing. So I started uh, with the Quentin Denton show. um, And then later on, I got a job at a charity called Book Music and Lyrics, which is an organisation that teaches people how to write musical theatre. And so I was the charity administrator. So I did uh, really like most of the admin for the charity. So finances, uh, I produced, they did showcases for new musical theatre, so I produced those. Um, personal assisting for the charity director, uh, liaising with the membership and I and running that. So that was kind of my post-not-graduating, graduating work uh, that I just kind of ejected myself out into the world and began began doing things. And it, it felt like it it felt like the right thing to do at the time. And only now looking back, I realised that that was pretty radical to just kind of, <laughs> to just yeah. kind of start and go, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to produce this. I'm just going to produce this musical that we just wrote in, you know, in a few weeks. And I seem to think that there was no part of my mind that thought, wait a second, Hannah, you know, is this, is this really a good idea? But I guess that's the joy that's the joy of being like 1920s you just you just have like no fear absolutely I completely relate to that because that's basically you know how cypher started it's just like oh I'm just gonna start making stuff yeah and it's quite funny because people then go but but how did you even start and you just kind of go I I don't know really I just just did it yeah um but having said that I am gonna I'm gonna throw that at you to a slightly unfair question it's kind of yeah for that I think a lot of people might come out of university and go well I think I sort of want to make plays mm-hmm. um, and maybe mm-hmm. they're leaning towards well, uh, more producing than than say directing yeah. or um or, or or acting or whatever how how do you start like what what do you do mm-hmm. yeah the first thing you need to do is find a story that you want to tell or an artist's work that you think more people should see so that's that's the first thing and even if that's something you've written you say you're a performer and you're 
you've written a show for yourself you know it's a story that it's a story that you want other people to know so that's the first thing you need to have if you want to be an independent producer like I am if you want to go and be a producer in a building and you want to work as a producer for the National Theatre the Old Vic ATG then just get get a get a job as some kind of back office administration even front of house uh and you know something that isn't on the stage getting an entry level job in one of those buildings will get you up the ladder but independent producing just start i think start start with what story do you want to tell and then think about where where does this story fit so where where within the landscape of the world should this story be told so is there a theatre that you particularly think this would suit? Um, and then you need to think, how am I going to get money to make this happen? And those are the things that you need to really consider before you take on a project or before you start to think about. And if you don't have like, I don't want to put people off because if you don't have a definite answer to those things, then it, I, I don't want to discourage people from trying. You know, if people are thinking, oh, well, I don't know anybody who has any money. E- even if you have like an idea of, okay, well, I could ask this person who knows this person who knows this person, or I'm good at grant writing and I know I can write some grants to make this happen, or I can do a crowdfunding campaign. Just, you need to have some idea as, as to how you're going to make it happen. But I don't think you need like a fifty play a fifty page business plan, and I don't want to put people off by saying that you do, mm. and that's how you start really. Uh, you know, aligning the work that you want to put on, where you're going to put it on, and then how you're going to make that happen in terms of the money. And if that money just means that actually the first time you do it, you're relying on box office, that's fine. If that if that's what you know, your first show does not need to be fully funded. If that's how you're going to start, that's how you're going to start. Yeah, great. I think that that's really well put. Actually, mm. really, sort of a nice, a nice jet. Yeah, I wish I'd known that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and I suppose there's one other question that's kind of in my head. That's kind of at what at what point did you kind of think? And it seems like it has been. It's a bit of a kind of spectrum. But at what point was it kind of producing? That's that's because a lot of what you've talked about obviously uh, mm-hmm. speaks very much to me as a and I've gone I'm not I obviously do produce stuff but I don't mm-hmm. I, it sounds a bit of an old thing to say but I don't identify as a producer I tend yeah, to call yeah. I think of myself as an artistic director and that involves a certain amount mm-hmm. of producing so yeah what kind of meant you know what I, I think I'm a producer so it it wasn't until much later that I started to identify with and realized I was a producer. So if we're talking I left university in 2014. We're talking I talking 20 about 20 late 2015 early 2016. Maybe even the middle of 2016 did I start to think I'm a producer. And that came about with the 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 first the, the first project I produced uh, the show called the Quentin Denton show. I was originally I originally directed it, right, uh, and and also 
uh, and also was producing it by default because there was nobody else to produce it. And um, uh, we played it in London a few times. Uh, I took it to took it to Edinburgh. Made a whole load of mistakes there with me directing and also producing. Um, and it was really when the show came back from Edinburgh and I, I knew I knew that I wanted the show to go further. I knew I wanted to make it more than just a f- Edinburgh Fringe show. I knew I wanted it to be a kind of off West End production. And it was only then did I realise the way that that was going to happen was me not getting, you know, somebody else taking charge of it artistically and me focusing on the business side of raising more money, growing the production, liaising with the theatre, doing the marketing and branding the production. And I I thought about that for a bit and what that would mean for me not to direct it because thus far I've been like completely involved. And then I realised that actually I was quite happy to to let go of all that and um the uh, wonderful Caldonia Walton who who choreographed the show at the time also I was like Caldi you're going to direct it as well and she was like okay and she did it she did an absolutely cracking job um so I kind of delegated that to her and then started to started to produce and it was then that I started to realize that that was what I had been doing all along really with the stuff at university with the measure for measure what interested me was not necessarily the content of the show it was the the take was the touring of the show to bristol the the what the show was where it was and who it was for rather than actually the kind of what happened on stage and that that was when I realised that I was a that I identified as a producer and was a producer, and that's when I did the wonderful the workshop with the wonderful Stage One, who are the commercial producers charity, and uh, learn you do a if you do Stage One you do a kind of awesome three day intensive in commercial producing, and you have West End producers giving you uh, giving you seminars, and you get this amazing pack of contracts and cap tables and budgets and it, it's it's really empowering because you go this is how you put on a show all of this is the info is it's kind of a, a cheat as to as to how you do it and th- th- then I realized actually this is this is for me and this is what I want to do um so yeah that was the moment I suppose in a way it's a again the best way to think about it is the opposite way to which we're probably encouraged, especially in the education system in this country, to think about jobs. It's not to think, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be a doctor, etc., and producer, director, actor, etc., and mm. then thinking, what does that job actually entail? What you did was question, right, I'm doing this crazy, unidentifiable thing. <laughs> what within this process is actually making me tick? Um, oh, okay, or, it's or- this. And then, yeah, what am I prepared to let go as well? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Choose your sacrifice. Yeah, I like that. Just to to come back to stage one and that course. Mm-hmm. Um, if if someone was listening to this and going, yeah, that sounds amazing, like a three day cheat course on how to produce a show. How how do mm-hmm. how do you get involved? How do you get on that? Yeah, so you can apply. 
you apply you apply to do the course online i applied three times before i got accepted uh it's it, it does cost so it is 500 pounds but if you're um you know if you're kind of just starting out you can apply for a bursary so i got a bursary which was half off so it was 250 pounds which is particularly if you're right in your early 20s that is you know that is is you know it's it's a lot of money but um you have to show you have to show some kind of commitment on the application to producing Mm. but when I was in the course not everybody was like me wanting to just produce lots of people were uh, like like you, Marcus, uh, people who were artistic directors who wanted to get better at producing or uh, people who were line producers in a building who wanted to get more of a sense of what the independent commercial producers they were working with were learning about and what what their knowledge was. So it's stage one. If you just Google stage one producing, I think it, I can't remember the exact URL, but if you just Google stage one producers, it will be the first thing. The, the workshops are twice a year. There's about 30 people in each workshop. And then after the workshop, you're then part of the stage one community and you can, um, they, there's stage two seminars, which are m- more like specialist seminars from industry experts in certain things so there's I've been to a seminar on um investing in US theatrical productions I've been on one about UK touring I've been on one about the intersection between the commercial and the subsidized sector in theatre so really specialist knowledge uh and those are free which is cool and then you can apply for the bursary which is money to support your development as a commercial producer. I haven't got that yet. I have applied just today for the fifth <laughs> time. So fingers crossed. And then there is the commercial apprenticeship as well. So if you're more interested in becoming a producer in a production company or working in the West End as a production assistant and then working your way up through there, they do apprenticeships where you can get placed in in a production office in the West End or sometimes in regional venues as well. Uh, so like Nottingham Playhouse or Mercury Colchester or uh, the Lyceum in Edinburgh producing houses across mm. the country, you get placed in there and it's it's paid. So uh, that's, that's actually, a, it's a huge feeder organisation for a lot of the production offices around the uk great check it out mm. check it out it sounds i mean check it out yeah, stage one sounds good um so so then so continuing your journey when where does hannah elsie productions fit in where does that start to appear as a kind of i want my own production company with my name on it <laughs> so 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 hannah hannah elsie the the in the the intent of hannah elsie productions started from when I left university but at the at the time it was called I'm not even I'm not going to tell you what it was called <laughs> some of you might be able to remember you might be able to remember but it was called something else which I'm not saying because the name's so bad um but then then that that it's that like the the intent was always for it to be that but because 
when I started making this this musical, the Quentin Denton show, I I didn't really know that I didn't really have an awareness of the kind of independent commercial producer like uh, like a Sonia Friedman or Kenny Wax or Cameron McIntosh. I, I I knew they existed, but I didn't really think that that was something that was accessible to me. So I thought that what was accessible was ensemble theatre making because that's what I had been trained in in the National Youth Theatre and in the National Theatre Studio. So um, starting out making this musical in in a kind of ensemble manner, it became very clear very quickly that this was a this was a musical, and therefore that's not like traditionally. Of course, you can have musicals made by ensembles. These you know like London Road or um, that one recently at the Southwark Playhouse, which is called. Um, I have forgotten, but there's a show that was at the Southwark Playhouse very recently that was made by made by an ensemble, Split Lip Theatre, with the ensemble. I can't remember the name of the show, uh, but it became very clear that this show was pulling away from the the ensemble tradition that had that it had been originally made in, and that's when I started to realise that the way to make this production was actually for me to be an independent producer on the project rather than continuing to try and make the show with the ensemble because that just wasn't producing the show that I wanted Hmm. if that makes sense so so again going back to the previous conversation about having to make sacrifices and things just happening it it wasn't it just kind of happened and I and then I realized that longer term that was how I wanted to run things. I, I wanted to be um, an, an independent person who makes work rather than working within within a group of people. Um, so that's how, that's how it started, is I just thought, oh, well, if I'm an independent producer on this project and I'm, pro- I'm producing it myself, I can't really call the company the the name which was the company for all of us because that's not a fair reflection of how this show is being made mm. because it was me doing like all, all of the work to make this thing possible so I thought oh well I'll, I'll call it Hannah Elsie Productions then because that at least shows to the world where the show has come from and who has made it so then it just kind of kept on going from there uh, really <laughs> and and now we are five five years later and it's still it's still going time it's amazing isn't it? time <laughs> yeah how it carries how it carries on um yeah yeah that's great um I suppose to sort of try to kind of bring things together a bit have, have yeah. you have you got any kind of um I don't know standout bits of advice that like if you were talking to someone who mm. is is at that point of maybe say second year of university um yeah. Or, yeah. or or just coming out where anything that you'd say to them Yes, uh, I, I do. And it, it, it's don't ignore finances and don't ignore money is the, is the key bit of advice that um, I would give. And think, ver- think very carefully about how you're going to make it, how you're going to make it work financially, whether that's initially getting another job or starting or picking up another skill like bookkeeping or proofreading or having some kind of other side hustle that can support you in those, particularly in those first few years, because 
I'm sure many, many people can relate to this. There's this fallacy of you're not a proper whatever, insert director, producer, writer, actor, unless you're doing it full time and it's your full time income. And actually you go that, you know, in order for that to be the case, there are only actually very few people in this world who that is true for, where their creative pursuit is their only source of income. So I've, you know, lots of people say to me, um, oh, you're a really successful producer. And I'm there thinking, well, okay, but, you know, I still do proofreading to make money um, now. And I still, I still do bits of corporate writing to make money. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed in saying that at all. Um, and I think other people need to understand that that is, and I don't see that work as invalid or lesser or anything. It's just other work. And I think people need to be really be at peace with that and, and start to, and start to understand that because it can be really, really tough to make money in particularly in those first few years. And even if you're more established and I still count myself at the start of my career, Mm. um, I'm not, you know, I'm not very established by any measure and people people need to get you know you need to you need to get savvy with how with your with your finances and start to think about saving for a pension I know it's boring but start to think about that start to think about uh okay what are your actual life goals that are not theatre do you want to buy a house do you want to have kids do you want to I don't know go on go on a world trip and think about how think about what the what what the tension is there financially and is there a way you can resolve that by by either taking on more work or kind of reducing the ambition of your goals or or something because i i think there's uh, to to labor a point on this i think that there's a lot of people who i know of you know i'm 26 nearly 27 um, Will, I know you're a similar age to me. Um, there's a there's a lot of people in this particular this kind of age bracket in your when you start to move into your late twenties. People who are people who leave the industry because they suddenly go, oh my god, I haven't saved any money into my pension, or oh my god, I have just realised I want to have kids before I'm thirty, and I can't do that if I'm a, a freelance actor, and. The, I think the, the answer to that is not necessarily to, to throw your hands up to the sky and go, oh God, it's not possible. Actually, with a, with a bit more planning, it maybe could be um, if, if you're willing to make sacrifices and think about that. So I'd, I'd recommend that people really take a, take a cold, hard look about what they want from life and consider... Uh, consider how they're gonna how they're gonna make that work in terms of uh, in, in in terms of money and that's me on my financial soapbox which I'm always on nowadays uh, but it, it's don't don't ignore it guys <laughs> because uh, don't, don't don't ignore it at all I think it's really <laughs> nice what you said there because it it's also you know you say finances and about money but it's also just yeah. about the life you want to live yeah um, and and making uh, we're quite bad at identifying ourselves entirely with our work and and going well you know mm-hmm. but that's that's everything I do and and actually mm-hmm. but you're not that you're you know you might be a boyfriend or a girlfriend or you're yeah. a son or a daughter or you know a, a parent like you're all of those things as well and 
and they all feel mm-hmm. why you're doing what you do and what and what you want to what you want to achieve with your life so so yeah I think that's really great advice you know make build a life for yourself don't just build a career for yourself I think I think that's probably a lovely place to to round things off that feels like oh. a lovely way of finishing so thanks Hannah thanks for having me on your show it's an absolute pleasure so there you go I don't know about you Will but I found that really useful and really interesting mm. um, what's uh, what's your main takeaway from that discussion um, I think Hannah will be pleased to hear that my main takeaway is is her soapbox and her finances at the end um, but particularly obviously the idea of not ignoring the financial side of it and the other things in life but actually the idea that that's ultimately empowering because by facing up to it and trying to think about it you can find solutions rather than finding yourself in a position x amount of years down the line where that becomes a huge insurmountable problem which means you ultimately kind of have to give up how about you I think for me it was to do with trying lots of different things I love the fact that Hannah just tried all sorts of different bits of theatre producing designing directing acting um and i think that sense of just trusting that at some point the right path will open up for you and it will the decision will almost make itself yeah absolutely well i'm i'm learning so much from all of these conversations and i hope that everybody listening is too and if you are and if you're enjoying it please do subscribe to the podcast on whichever channel or platform that you like to listen to your podcasts on And if you've got any questions, do send them over to us via Twitter at Cyphers UK. And if you use the hashtag Cyphers Create, we will get back to you either on there or we will include your question on a future podcast. So until next time, take care and goodbye from us. Bye. Bye.